Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Welcome to the Mini your daily the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Friday, September 4th, second round of the U.S. Open, pretty much in the books. Now, we did have some rain disrupt the ending of yesterday's play. Those matches, four of them, I believe, slated to start today, I believe Friday morning. So we will get to see a couple of bonus matches, but we're ready to head into this first weekend of the U.S. Open. Third round matches slated to begin today. Today. And of course, there are a ton of fun ones as we have the top 32 players in the field ready to go head to head. So many great matchups for us to preview, so many great matches for us to recap from day four. Joining me to do that, as he always does here on the Mini Break Pod, you know him, of course, as our Crack Rackets Do Everything, a former Denison men's tennis standout, the only undefeated coach in Missouri High School tennis history, a man I affectionately refer to as James Foster McDonald. Jamie, how are you doing this morning? Not too bad. Getting a little worn out, though. I need Maddie Stacks to come on and uh, relieve <laughs> this weekend. He is the, what, the Mariano Rivera of this situation? For real. Yeah, we need him to, yeah. we need him to come in and, uh, and then write the shit here. No, we should actually get a three-person pod going. Hold me to that. Yeah. That'll be fun. This I weekend. was going to say. Yeah, we will absolutely get Mandy Stacks on. I can only, you know, I can't wait to hear what his thoughts were on week one. A lot of upsets, uh, and you know, Mandy Stacks is not a man who predicts upsets, so I can't wait to get his reaction. And yeah, once we have the first week of play in the books, of course, we will do a recap podcast, resetting, you know, where we are at uh, in terms of heading into the second week of the U.S. Open. We'll have the fourth rounds ready to rock and roll. We will bring those podcasts to you all this weekend, but we still have to get through the end of week one, and as I mentioned, second round pretty much in the books. We had a ton of fun matches, more upsets on the women's side on day four. We've now seen 10 seeds knocked off in the past two days, and to be honest, that's what we expected going into this one, so of course, we'll talk about some of those matches. Have two breakdowns for you in depth today. Of course, we'll run through the rest of the day's results, talk about our top performers, and then again preview all of Friday's play as well. Of course the reason we're able to do that here day in day out on this mini break podcast is because of the support we get from our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar. You go to MidwestSports.com, use our promo code CR15. Not only will you get 15% off your order, not only will you get free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75, but best of all, you'll get a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls, Midwest Sports Wanting to ensure you have everything you need to make your return to the court a successful one. So just go to MidwestSports.com, use that promo code CR15, and again, you're going to find everything you need on their website. Rackets, clothing, shoes, you name it, they've got it. MidwestSports.com, the promo code is CR15. Of course, also go check out our friends at Aerobar, offering the only tennis-specific energy bar in the business, more potassium than a banana, delicious cinnamon, honey, oat, and chocolate chip flavors, and best of 
of all, as Jamie knows, it comes with a podcast, the Getting to the Point podcast, where we focus on nutrition and fitness, its importance in the modern game. Have had so many great guests, people like Laura Embry, uh, Brenda Schultz McCarthy, Jay Berger, Michael Russell, Bjorn Fertangelo. I can go on and on and on. You know who we haven't had yet on that show? Jamie McDonald, who is the epitome of fitness and nutrition and the modern tennis game, really, I suppose. Actually, Jamie's game belongs in the 60s with how much he slices. Nevertheless, if it's good enough for Jamie McDonald, I know he trusts his nutrition to Aerobar. It's good enough for you as well. Aerobar.com. Use our promo code CRACKED15. You'll get 15% off. Let them know that we sent you there. So again, uh, go to Aerobar.com. Use that promo code CRACKED15. Okay. Jamie, with that in mind, second round of the U.S. Open in the books. I just have a fun stat for you before we get into any specific matches. So frequently here at Cracked Rackets, we talk about the next gen, and I don't think we need to make the case for the next gen women being the now gen. Sophia Kennan, Naomi Osaka, Bianca Andreescu, all Grand Slam champions at this point. We know how much talent exists in the WTA pipelines. We know those that talent is ready to win now. Here's a fun fact for you as we head into the third round. And again, for our listeners, third round means 32 players left in the draw. Jamie, of those 32 players, and we still have the Evans-Mute match to go, so it could you could add one to this category. But as of right now, of those 32 players on the men's side, 16 of them qualify as next-gen ATP campaigners. I'm going to read you through that list real quick. Medvedev, Tsitsipas, Zverev, Berrettini, Rublev, Hachinov, Shapovalov, FAA, Fritz, Demonauer, Chorich, Rude, Nori, Tiafo, Davidovich, Fokina, and J.J. Wolf. They're not the next-gen anymore, Jamie. After years of wondering, they're the now-gen. These guys are here, and they're ready to make runs. Well, and also for that group, just so I know, what's the age cutoff there? So Nori's the only one who's a little bit old. I think yeah. he's a 95 or like me. The rest of them, 96 and below. Got it. Yeah, I mean, look, it's 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 great to see, right? This is something we've been waiting for and waiting for. Yes, granted, we're still waiting to sort of what we've seen on the WTA side where someone really breaks through and, and takes home a slam. Um, that's really just the next step on the ATP side. And a tournament like this is well on its way to getting there. Yeah, and you look at the way these guys have done it for Hatchinoff, five sets over Sinner. That was a next-gen battle, but then he comes back, makes his next match look routine. For FAA, a routine win last night over Andy Murray, Alex Virov. Two tough four-set matches, but two victories for him. We haven't talked about Rublev or Berrettini much at all because they've been looking, you know, making things look so easy for Fritz, the win over Jill Simone. It's the fact that these guys are making the early rounds at the slams look routine. That that's what's so notable. It's always been a struggle. It's can we get four, maybe five of them to the third round, then get maybe two, three to the fourth round. Anything after that is gravy. That's no longer the standard we should be holding them to because if you're a 96, you're turning 24 this year. You're starting to enter the prime of your career. There's just no denying that. But these guys are making their strides. And, you know, again, you look at some of the first-time third-round appearances here uh, for these players at a slam, Davidovich, Fokina, Nori, Wolf, all first third round, but there's a bunch of guys as well who it's their first uh, U.S. Open third round guys like Tsitsipas, Tiafo, Casper Ruud, and obviously FAA. And for guys like Tsitsipas and FAA, it feels like the first of many. It feels like we're finally getting over that hump, getting over that milestone. And 
hopefully from here again, we're going to see these guys take off and actually make some runs deep into second weeks. But again, we are really well positioned if you're a fan of the next gen like we are here at Cracked Rackets for this week to action to see a couple of breakthrough stars, see a couple of deep runs, some results that we're just not that accustomed to. And of course, part of that is there's no Rafa, there's no Federer, there's no Stan, there's no Monfils, there's no Fonini in this draw. But still, it's a credit to these guys for showing up in shape and getting the job done. And I think the player who has clearly shown up in shape given his first two matches, the first breakdown I want to get to, Francis Tiafo, who has played so many close matches over these past, really, three years on tour. You can date back 2018, 2019, and now, and so often it feels like the three-set match goes against him because he just has that glaring weakness, right? When in crunch time, his opponent knows, serve to the forehand, attack that forehand, it's going to break down under a little bit of pressure. Well, through his first two matches, Jamie, Francis Tiafo, a winner over Andreas Seppi in four sets. Here in the second round, Francis Tiafo advances seven. 7-6-3-6-1-6-6-3-6-3 over John Millman. He was the one doing a little bit of dictating. He was the one doing a little bit of damage. And I think the thing, I think the thing, Jamie, that has impressed me the most is just how well the best of five set format accentuates his physicality, how he just makes matches grimy and sloppy and And it just seems to work for him. That's why regardless of the flaws, he remains such a captivating talent. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think for me, this story, at least in, in the context of this match, is just much less about the tennis and just sheer about the competitive drive, right? Because he showed that he can compete in any match and come out on top, especially in a five-setter. Because, you know, look, you mentioned it, not the cleanest match at all. Tiafo throughout the course of this match, um, hits almost 30 more unforced errors than winners, right? Um, and at the end of the day, that doesn't end up mattering. He also, you know, lost i think he had 158 total points to millman's 169 in the end that doesn't matter because he gets across the finish line and it's just a testament to yafo because once he gets in these matches once he's locked in it doesn't matter right it's not going to be the cleanest tennis necessarily he's going to make he's going to make mistakes he's going to do things wacky but he is going to compete like no one else on the court And, and and he showed that today once he got that break in the fifth um i mean this was just a phenomenal match from start to finish and listen the level the level could have been a bit better, I'd say, cleaner from both sides. But regardless, Millman makes you play a very physical game and makes you beat him, and Tiafo ultimately did. Yeah, I mean, look, 73 unforced errors in this match for Francis Tiafo. that's not great. Especially, you look at it, only 44 winners. He's minus 29 on the match, but made 62% of his first serves, won 64% of those points, you know, pretty efficient, 33 of 65 on second serve points. Yes, he was broken six times, but it was six times over the course of a five-set match, and, you know, he had faced 15 break points, or I, excuse me, he broke six times, uh, had 15 break points for Millman, 23 break points, uh, converted seven of those chances. This was an either-or match by every definition, I mean, John Millman won 169 points in this match. Francis Tiafo only won 158. And yet, to your point, Tiafo goes up 5-2 in that first set. A double break lead blows it. And Millman ends up coming back, uh, has set points with Tiafo serving down 5-6 in the first 15-40. Tiafo grinds his way out of that, gets it back to a breaker. It's a back-and-forth breaker. Tiafo ends up taking that set 8-6. That was so big. 
for Francis Tiafoe's confidence because if you have an easy set opportunity against John Millman, you have to close it. You just can't give him any room. You can't give him anything free because John Millman's going to make every extra ball. John Millman's a scrapper. John Millman will claw his way into a match as well as anyone on tour. For Tiafoe to secure that one, that was a huge win. And then, you know, he had the trainer come out, deal with his shoulder, and just Millman took it to him those next two sets, and you really were wondering, okay, is he drained? And it looked like he might be, but you're absolutely right. The way he turned it on competitively in sets four and five, even beyond the tactics in this match, and, you know, just quickly on that note, what was so funny in the tactics, yeah, Tiafo struggles with the forehand, but you know who you can overwhelm with pace on the forehand side as well? John Millman, and Francis Tiafo did plenty of that, hit big into the forehand, you know, 22 of 40 at the net, but that doesn't include the forced errors, how many missed passing shots John Millman produced in this match, or Tiafo hits too good of an approach, and Millman gets his racket on it, but it's not a winner. I just, Francis Tiafo competitively in this match, that's exactly what you want to see from a guy who, again, has now been on tour three, four years. It's just the sort of jump that the good players eventually make is even when you're not playing your absolute best, you find a way to win. Tiafo did that in this one. Yep, I think this is a really important one for him. And, and you mentioned that first set. I think you actually may have tweeted something out about it, too. I mean, just how different is this match if he can't pull off that first set? I mean, he probably loses it in straights, right? He loses, 100%. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a great one for him. And like you mentioned, it's so important to be able to pull out the matches when you're not playing your best. I mean, you talk about those guys who have dominated the ATP for so long. That's what they do. Like, yes, they're a step above in terms of the tennis, but they're not every day, right? They're not perfect every day. And so uh, allowing yourself to get to the point and keep yourself around in matches to the point where even if you're not playing your best, you you allow your competitive nature to get you a step ahead. This is a great sign for Francis Tiafo and makes him even more dangerous in, in future majors, in my opinion. I've been waiting for a big win like this. Not to say he hasn't shown us big wins in the past, but there was something special about this one. Yeah, and it wasn't a top 10 win, but again, to the opening point I made, it's just one of those next-gen wins where if the next-gen wants to arrive, if they want to separate themselves and take over the top of the tennis world, with all due respect, John Millman's a fantastic player, but that's the guy they need to beat. You know, John Millman is the is really the gatekeeper to the top 50. Is that fair to say? And for Tiafo to get that win, it's just, a, especially after he lost at the Western Southern to Andy Murray, two bounce back wins, two matches he should win over Seppi and Millman, and he does, that to me is the is the biggest takeaway. Yeah, and look, realistically, if we're talking about Tiafo and these next-gen guys really going to the next level, no, this match can't look like this, really. I mean, at least not on a consistent level. Like, of course, there's going to be these matches. I mean, we'll talk about it. I mean, Millman, obviously known for that big Fed upset at the U.S. Open itself. Um, but generally speaking, no, this this needs to be a cleaner match. But to me, it highlights something more important, being able to get through matches when you're not playing your best. So that's the yeah. takeaway for me, and I'm, I'm really excited for Tiafo moving to the draw. Yeah, no, it was a great win for him. Well, another player, another American who won today, I would say she would argue certainly not playing her best tennis. Amanda Nisimova, the number 22 seed, I believe, who, you know, quietly after Nisimova made a semifinal right last year at the French, and we were all so excited about her at the time, 16, 17, when she did it. Now, I believe she's 18 years old and obviously top 30 in the world, no more age restrictions, so she's going to be able to play as many tournaments as she is capable.
capable of. Uh, of course, we we know all the things she has gone through over the past, you know, really 12 months off of the court, losing her father, who was so close to her tennis game, such an influential person in her career, uh, and obviously in her life. And so, you know, for her to get back on court at all, it's a major victory in 2020. But we're also wondering, what are we going to see from her seated now at the slams? And she put together a really good performance today, especially competitively 4-6-6-4-6-1 over promising young American Katrina Scott. Of course, we've had Katrina Scott on our Cracked Interviews podcast before, so to hear more about the immensely talented 16-year-old, be sure to go check out that episode. But what was so amazing in this match, Jamie, Katrina Scott comes out firing in this one, just taking it to Anisimova. Scott playing big with her first serve, just doing so many different little things well on the court, putting pressure on Anisimova, giving her nothing easy. I mean, you look at these serve numbers for Katrina Scott, she was averaging, I think it was 106 on the first serve, but if you look in the first set, uh, that number was closer to 110, and she was just putting in a ton of first serves as well. You look overall what she did in that set, you know, uh, 14 of 19 on the first serve points and 8 of 16 on the second serve points. She was just, she was playing well on the serve. She was playing to big targets on her return. I was really impressed by the 16-year-old, but then for Nisimova to bounce back the way she did, just start driving the ground strokes, you got to see that overwhelming power. What did you think of this one, Jamie? Yeah, this was really interesting. Um, I think for me, the most impressive takeaway actually was in set one um, for Katrina Scott because she got the break and she was up serving, but Anisimova was right back in it as we would expect. And a little bit in the back of my head, I expected Katrina Scott to just sort of fold and, and Anisimova to really display her best tennis and get that break back. But Katrina Scott, credit to her for pulling out this first set because Anisimova had the pressure on her. And yes, Scott was playing some phenomenal tennis um, and was able to dictate with the forehand. But Anisimova was right there in, in these games. So for Katrina Scott to hold her off enough to get that first set done 6-4 was really impressive for me. Now, of course, Anisimova levels it with the second set, has all the momentum and really just, you know, puts foot on the pedal for the third. But realistically, it's still a great performance from Scott. No, I completely agree with you. And look, in that first set, um, Nanda Nisimova was misfiring. 11 winners against 20 unforced errors. And to Scott's credit, she stayed the course. She stayed steady. She didn't get passive, but she kept the ball deep. She kept saying, okay, Amanda, you deep center. You want to try and go for these big angles when I'm not giving you anything to work with? Go for it. Make that unforced errors. And, you know, we got to a point where Anisimova got so frustrated, I believe. She let out, you know, a quality F-bomb. We actually have a clip for it, West off roll that clip now but yeah i mean for anisimova the story was sure 11 of 11 winners 20 unforced errors in that first set but overall you you know you subtract those she goes 23 winners uh against 28 unforced errors the rest of the match did clean things up she stayed aggressive and what was so impressive for me in this match anisimova 77 first serve percentage she won 63 percent of those points 59 percent of her second serve points and she just locked in in sets two and three you could see she's like whoa 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 
Whoa. It's not often I get to be the veteran in a match. And with all due respect to you, Katrina Scott, I'm not losing this one today. I'm moving forward. She found a way. She made that extra ball. She, I just thought she became much more patient. Instead of, you know, going after the first ball, she opened up the court with the first ball with maybe a little bit less pace, but a little bit more angle, and then drove down the line with the second ball when she had more court to work with. I just thought tactically you could see Anisimova make the adjustment, get more patient, and ultimately for her to win. It was a really quality performance. Yeah, and and look, it sounds really simple, but throughout this match, she just started executing better and better and better, right? And the more opportunities she created for herself, the more she was taking and the more she was getting across, right? Those break points, she goes five for nine throughout the match. And once she had those opportunities, she was able to keep that pressure on and, and not let go. So a really quality win for her. But honestly, I have only positives for both these players to take away from the match. Yeah, no, for Katrina Scott, again, the first serve percentage wasn't where you want it to be. Sure. You know, 53%, it's going to have to be higher moving forward, but it's also a weapon. It's very clear that that serve is going to win her a lot of free points, and athletically, I thought she did really well in that first set to track down that first Anisimova ball, just ask the question of Amanda, can you put me away? And again, I really enjoy Katrina Scott's backhand. I like the forehand. I know how much she's been working on it with her coach, Dave Cass, and, you know, we had uh, both of them on our podcast recently talk about the fact that they've used these last six months really to just rebuild that forehand, and I like what it looked. I just think she has a really nice all-around game. You could also tell, you know, she's only two of four at the net in this one, but she looked pretty comfortable at the net. You can see the volleys. It was more a tentativeness given Amanda Nisimova's pace, but I agree with you. Again, between Nisimova, Sophia Kennan, Coco Goff, I mean, you can go through the list, CeCe Bella and Katrina Scott and Ann Lee and just there are so many talented young Americans right now and like if you are be a fan of American women's tennis if you're not now you're going to regret it in three years when there are six of them competing for Grand Slam titles yeah it's just really fun to see them you know get to a point where you know realistically we could be we could be looking at closing out draws here right I know, you know, in the past, we've had a few years like this. What was it? What was the year when Sloan won the U.S. Open? Was it 2016, 2017? Um, and so, you know, we've seen this happen before, but really, really fun to, to realistically look at all of the young crop of talent and be like, wow, here in, you know, three to five years, look about what, the, you know, think about what these draws could look like, right? Because realistically, you could have American women just absolutely dominating the quarterfinals, or even round four. So going to be really exciting to, to follow both of these players. But yeah, for me, this was um I saw a lot of good here and really excited to see Anisimova move through the car. Yeah, no, I mean between all that but beyond the fact, you know, and this came from Parsa, the three American men reached the third round of the U.S. Open for the first time since 03. Fritz, Tiafo, and Wolf, the last three to do it. Taylor Dent, Andy Roddick, Robbie Ginepri, they obviously all had a bunch of success. So yeah, really fun time to be an American tennis fan. Uh, I think we've gotten the results at the U.S. Open. We uh, have been hoping for at the Slams for quite a bit of time from these young players, and they just continue to deliver. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. 
Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Uh, we were also, speaking of delivered, delivered a couple of upsets on day number four. Again, you know, not as crazy as day three when we saw, I think it was seven of the top women's seeds go down. But, you know, yesterday, five upsets in total, three on the women's side, two on the men's. Let's start with the women. Uh, you know, uh, Parankova, who hadn't played in two and a half years, she obviously, uh, you know, personally, she decided to have a child and she wanted to be a part of that child's life, particularly early on in her, uh, or I believe it's a son, I believe early on in his life, but she's back on tour and she looked awfully good in knocking off Muguruza 7-5-6-3. For Muguruza, we talked about this in our preview show, Jamie, I don't think any of us, or at least you know, the people who follow tennis that closely. I don't think we seriously expected her. I might be projecting here. Let me say, you know what? I'm just going to speak for myself. I didn't seriously consider her a contender for this U.S. Open. Just didn't play enough matches and just was coming in a little bit injured as well. But credit to Parankova on this one, right? She played a really quality match. Yeah, for me, I think the story here, yes, she played a great match. For Muguruza, I mean, just clearly not near her best. Um, no, I don't think many people had her as a contender i did expect her to get through maybe another match or two um, just because of the experience and what she can do when she's on Um, but in terms of yes getting through and winning seven matches and, and doing it well absolutely didn't expect that yeah, I mean, look, um, for Parankova here, it, it was just a really good performance. She took, made the most of these quick courts. I believe she was 5-3 down in that first set before coming back. And yeah, I mean, look, that that section of the draw for Serena, we continue to say it. It's wide open. Muguruza out now. Now Madison Keys looks better and better than I expected, and she looks better with each passing match. And, you know, Donna Vekic, a really good straight set win for her today. And, you know, Sakari came through in three sets. That's a lot of the seeds still alive in that section. And even Sloan Stevens came through in straight sets. But I, you could, I still have just absolutely no idea who's going to come out of that Serena quarter of the draw. And this upset just adds more intrigue to me uh, to that quarter. An upset, I think, you know, you will say you saw coming in. Justifiably, you did say so. You predicted it in our women's draw preview. Azarenka continues her momentum. The Western Southern Open champ, a 6-1-6-3 win over Arena Sabalenka. Jamie, Azarenka just continues to roll. Yeah, I mean, this was just a dominant match. Um, I mean, that first set was, I mean, that just truly, for lack of a better word, set the tone for what this was going to look like because she came out firing and Sabalenka, I mean, I don't know. I expected a bit more of a fight from her. I mean, I look, I, I, I did expect Azarenka to win this match because I do have her moving to the draw. Um, I mean, look, she's been on fire right now, and, and hopefully that continues because it's it, you know the women's game is obviously better when Vika Azarenka is playing at this level. So it was a ton of fun to see her succeed in Cincy. It's been really fun to see her move through this draw. But, I mean, I expected her to win, but dropping four games, it, that was more of a blowout than I expected. Yeah, the problem continues to be for Sabalenka, there's no plan B. She's on the move. She's going to try and hit through the, each wall. She's going to try and hit the run, the winner on the run. And, you know, Vika Azarenka is just moving too well right now, playing too confidently and just so confident in her plays and just, 
again, just moving the ball around the court. And it was, as you mentioned, just a really uh, a really nice performance from Vika Azarenka, who has put it together now for 10 straight days, and it hasn't been a fluke. She continues to look better and better with each passing match. And, you know, Sabalenka was the, the seed shield, the top seed, obviously, she would face until Sophia Kennan in the quarterfinals. And she just opened up the draw for herself. And now it's, now you're probably thinking, okay, if Azarenka doesn't get to the quarterfinals, I will be surprised because she is playing that good of tennis right now. So credit to her on that win. The last upset, another player who deserves a ton of credit, Kirstea, a 2-6-7-6-6-4 win over Joe Conta. This did not shock me as much as it may have shocked some, simply because Joe Conta's play, in my opinion, yeah, she played really good at the Western and Southern Open. She played really poorly uh, in Lexington. It just sometimes vacillates so much, but credit to Kirstea in this one. She put together a really quality match. Yeah, this one did surprise me. Um, I mean, listen, it ends up being tight, right? Sets two and three, seven, six, and six, four, respectively. But for me, Joe Conta, I mean, she looked really good at the beginning of this match, wins at six, two. So for it to just flip like that, and I know, granted, the second set was tight. And so realistically, if she gets that done, we're not having this conversation. But, you know, I was impressed with Conta's level at the Western and Southern. Um, so I did have her getting through a couple more matches. I didn't have her going all the way through by any means, but um, still a, a bit of a bummer here because realistically, I thought Joe Conta was somebody who could test, you know, the real big guns or at least give them a difficult match before um, they move into the semis and further. So a little bit unfortunate to see, but you know, hey, this is what we see on the WTA, right? Another top ten seed going down, um, and ultimately, it's the Brit Joe Conta. Yeah, and again, that section of the draw now wide open, which yeah. is what we expected from this women's event uh, the entire time. Two upsets on the men's side. One, I'll say not surprising, and we talked about it on our GSP Ace of the Day. The other one, very much surprising. Marton Fucevic, who we have seen make runs at this U.S. Open before, looks like he's going to make another one here this year. He continues his momentum from the Western Southern Open and knocks off number 14-seeded Grigor Dimitrov, 6-7, 7-7. Six three six six four six one. 4 6 Jamie, your thought on Fuchovic's performance? Yeah, well, I mean, hey, first of all, got to say credit to us, right? Because we were talking about <laughs> how much of a battle this would be and how much of a possibility it was that Fuchovic could come out. And, and realistically, yes, still an upset. But, I mean, credit to him, right, for getting through this one. And especially, I was very impressed with how he ended this match. No, by the end of it in the fifth set, Dimitrov not playing his best tennis at all. But, I mean, for Fucevic to get across the finish line and just keep the momentum going and not let off. Sets to one, didn't really blink, um, you know, took that break in the fourth, got it 6-4, then won the fifth 6-1. Really, really promising stuff for me. For Grigor Dimitrov, ultimately, I mean, an understandable loss, but disappointing. Yeah, this was a match Dimitrov should have won in straight sets. He had that second set. Pretty sure he was up a break during it and just played yeah. a poor tiebreaker. Fucevic raised his level, and, you know, it's a credit to Fucevic who just fight and scrapped and clawed and kept going for his shots even when there were times the forehand started spraying on him. And, you know, Dimitrov's going to Dimitrov at times too. But credit to Fucevic, that was a really good win. And, again, he continues to prove he can do this at the slams. Really, really nice, uh, talented player, Marcin Fucevic. The upset we did not expect today, Vashik Pospisil, who, of course, we all know alongside of Novak Djokovic, resigned from his ATP Player Council position, helped form the PTPA. But he's also doing it on the court right now 
as he knocked off his fellow countryman, close friend Milos Raonic, the number 25 seed, the Western Southern finalist, 6-7-6-3-7-6-6-3. I did not see this coming, Jamie, did you? No, not at all. Um, this one was a complete blindside. I had Raonic going really deep into this draw, and I mean, it's definitely disappointing because I think when you look at Raonic, it's somebody who you consider a serious title contender, um, particularly on these courts, definitely with what we saw at Western and Southern. And and for me, again, I'll use the Stokowiak saying here, a head-scratcher, right? Because we watched this match, and the first set went about as expected, right? Fairly close, Raonic winning it in a breaker. Um, I really expected Raonic to break this thing open after that, you know, maybe get set two um, in another breaker or one break and then run away with set three. That's that's sort of how I saw this match going. And, and that's no disrespect to possible. So that's just the level that Raonic has been displaying has been so impressive. And so this one was very weird to me, but I think that the biggest takeaway for me, I don't know how much of this match you watched, they were hitting the ball so hard I mean it was just at some points I couldn't even comprehend how big of balls they were putting into the court because Raonic was raining down with serves and Pospisil just did not back off the pace at all in fact he turned it and he was dictating and and I don't know if that's what threw Raonic off or what but I mean a phenomenal level of tennis of course when they're going this big on every point there's going to be a lot of misses but regardless I mean an entertaining match and, and 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 an upset I absolutely did not see coming yeah, I mean, you knew there were going to be tiebreakers in this one. You thought maybe Pospisil could take one, maybe two of them, but that it would be Raonic getting the breaks of serve, and that just wasn't the case. Pospisil serving too well, following that up with plus one balls with serve and volleys, taking time away from Raonic, and obviously he's pretty comfortable returning that Raonic server, about as comfortable as you can be. Um, but yeah, no, didn't see this one coming. I'm not going to lie, I didn't watch much of it because this is the sort of tennis I just... I don't I don't have the patience for anymore. I'm like, I can't watch all of these errors over and over and over again. It's the same point. But, you know, yeah, it was a really good credit uh, performance from Pospisil, who on this, with the speed of this surface, he absolutely has a dangerous game, can just serve you off the court. And, you know, that's all of these, you know, it's the one thing you can control in tennis, your serve. It's the start of every point. It's the only thing you get to dictate where it goes from the beginning. Um, yeah, and it was a really good performance from him. Disappointing for Raonic for sure. He was one of the five guys I named along with Medvedev, Tsitsipas, Zverev, and of course Novak Djokovic, who I thought legitimately could win that ti- uh, this title. That list is now down to four because Raonic is out of this uh, tournament, which again, definitely surprising. But from there, let's talk about the rest of today's matches. And, you know, I think we talked about two three-set matches on the women's side already, Kirstea and Anisimova. There was only one more three-set match. It was Maria Sakkari, a three set winner over Bernarda Pera. You look at the rest of the women's results, Kennan, Serena, Keys, Vekic, Mukova, Steven, Jabour, all advancing in straight sets and all doing so fairly comfortably. Uh, believe, of course, Alize Cornet, a player you and I both circled as a dangerous one in this draw. She advances to the third round as well. Straight set win over Bonaventure. Jamie, your thoughts on the rest of the women's matches? Who stood out to you? Yeah, I think the one you you alluded to it earlier, but Madison Keys for me, I mean, I think she was one that we had both circled and and put some question marks around coming into this draw. So really good to see her get a clean win, right? Two and one is impressive. And and I know originally, I think the way her draw broke, we had Teichman um, and her in that second round clash. And so that was why we saw Keys potentially going out. But credit to Madison Keys for coming up with another clean win and, and moving through this section where she can, at this point, really cause a lot of trouble now. 
Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And for Donna Vekic, she went down 2-0, and I was like, ooh, that's not good. And then she won. She fired off 12 of the next 13 games. That was really impressive for me. And I'm pretty sure on one of our preview podcasts, I don't remember if it was this one, a different show I was doing, I named her as a quarterfinalist. I'm feeling better and better about that pick. Great win for Mukova to follow up a win over Venus. We always wonder how do young players bounce back. She did so. If Jabour loses that first set tiebreaker to Kanepi, she's probably the one getting bageled in the second set. But the person who stands out to me, as great as Sakari and Para was, and it was a phenomenal match, could have been a breakdown. But for Sloane Stevens, Sloane Stevens in the third round of the U.S. Open, that's not a sentence I expected to say. We have seen some disappointing results from Sloane Stevens. It's been very up and down. But, you know, you always got to remember she has won this thing, right? And so, you know, her moving through the draw, you got to expect some fight there. And so, you know, she's one that I love to watch and and hoping that she makes a dent in this draw as well. Because, hey, another American further into the draw. Good for us. Sloan versus Serena, round three. I promise you that's going to come up tomorrow on our matches to watch. Um, but yeah, that's the action on the women's side. On the men's side, Jamie, no more five-set matches, just Dimitrov and Tiafo on the day. But you look at the seeds who advance, Team, Medvedev, Berrettini, Rublev, Hachinov, FAA, Rude, all straight-set winners on the day. Some of the other winners, RBA, a four-set win, really good win in my opinion, over a tricky Kasmenovich. That was a physical bad. Uh, Demon Hour loses a third set breaker, but pretty comfortable four set win over Gasquet. We also saw a four set win from Marin Cilic and then uh, and Caruso, and then finally a straight set win for JJ Wolf over Carbeathsvania. Uh, Jamie, your thoughts on the men's results? Yeah, I mean, I'll start where I was most excited because I, I did watch that JJ Wolf match pretty much in its entirety, and this is a really impressive win. I mean, I know Carbeathsvania not the you know best person in this draw not the guy who has the you know the the heat the most the most impressive arsenal to say the least but regardless jj wolf looked incredibly good in this and, and you know jj lost to what gasquet at western and southern um and look at the level he was playing he would have won that match absolutely because he was dictating points really clean on the return of serve um and just was causing problems left and right and so i, I think both the you and i were a little bit concerned with carveas benia in this match because we thought hey he can just throw up balls and, and make people's lives a nightmare on the court with how much he can get to jj wolf did not shy away from this even though he had to hit two three more balls wasn't a problem so really impressive level from the young american there um you know hair aside really looking forward to seeing more <laughs> of him moving through this draw um, the other one for me that I that I will circle at least quickly. You mentioned it, RBA. Um, I think Kesmenovic obviously a tricky opponent there, but really solid performance from Batista Agut. Um, you know, great to see no drop off after set number two, right? You know, didn't bother him at all that Kesmenovic got the break and got that levels it out, wins six three six four in the third and fourth sets. So Batista Agut really really dangerous moving through the men's side now. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you there. And it was a tricky, you know, Kale Hammond, our friend over at Tennis.com, tweeted out, is Kasmenovich to Bautista Agut what what Bautista Agut was to Djokovic? The answer is kind of yes. Kasmenovich just made every ball, and Bautista Agut didn't have a huge weapon to hurt Kasmenovich with. And because of that, they were just long, physical points. This was a grinded-out match. But in the end, Bautista Agut, too solid, too disciplined. It was a really good performance from Kess, but yeah, just too good for RBA. For Demon Hour, we said yesterday on GSP Ace of the Day, Gasquet should not have a weapon 
to hurt him. If Alex Diemenauer is going to be the player we think he can be, this is a must win. He passed that test for us. Uh, you know, Karen Hatchinov, we say, said the same deal. He's got to smoke Kuznetsov today. Kuznetsov has no business beating Karen Hatchinov. That's exactly what happened. Really good win for him. FAA did exactly what you have to do to an Andy Murray who has no legs. Played big, but played safe. And that was a great performance. And then the last one, because this is a guy we've circled, Jamie, and again, just quickly on it. Casper Root, the number 30 seed. It made no sense that Rusevori was the favorite heading into that match, according to bookmakers. Casper Root, I thought, decisively won that match. And I know uh, uh, in the end, it was Rusevori. I think it was 6-2 in the third, or maybe Rusevori physically was, you know, a little bit worn down towards Towards the end, but you know that was a really good win for Kasparut. Yeah, that was a good win, and yeah, again, I'm not sure why uh, he wasn't the favorite going into this, but clearly displayed why he should have been. Yeah. Also, quietly for Berrettini, straight set win over Ugo Umbert. That deserves more credit than we just gave it. So shout out to you, Matteo Berrettini, semifinalist last year. Maybe the quietest six seed in ATP history. Um, there were, again, a couple of matches that didn't finish. Dan Evans right now split sets with Courtney Moutet, another next-gen guy who could make the third round here at Dan Evans right now. 6-4, uh, 3-6, 5-6 in the third, add into Evans that match kickoff uh, this morning. Alexandrova, the number 21 seed, splitting sets with Katie McNally. It's interesting. Evans, Alexandrova, two of the picks for our aces of the day, Jamie, so they're still in play as well. Uh, And then you've got Sasha Vickery, a 7-6 first set for her over Iga Sviatek, who just annihilates a racket after she lost that set. And then Elise Mertens, the number 16 seed, a player we both like, Jamie, up 6-3-1-0 on Cerebez Tormo. Anything on those matches quickly? Um, I mean, for me, I really think Dan Evans needs to win that set. Regardless, I think he will win, um, even if it goes to five. But I think for him and preserving himself through this draw, um, it'd be really impressive and good to get, you know, get the third set done in a breaker and finish this thing in four. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. It's fun when you come out and you just have to hit a breaker right away. That's always so yeah. uh, so interesting. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's going to be fun matches again because you have those and then you have, what are we at? I think it's going to be 16 matches now. We have it again, 16 third-round matches on day five. Again, this is the first round where two seeds can match up head-to-head. And so there are a lot of interesting matches, Jamie. Let's start on the women's side. What are the ones you're going to be watching most? closely yeah I mean I think there's a lot to choose from here um, I think because especially given just sort of what's happened in this draw things have opened up so much um, just pretty much on the top half and bottom half but for me I think we got to go to the nightcap Pegula and Kvitova um, is, is one that I will absolutely want to watch because you know Kvitova has you know so much she has so much to hurt another player with, right? Um, but so does Jess Pegula, Um And she has been playing phenomenally well. And so this is one that's like, would look like a huge upset on paper. But given the levels we've seen from them, that's a lot more equal footing. Um, Pegula has looked really, really good. And while Kvitova, you know, is, again, the favorite on this one, Pegula, I would not be surprised if Pegula pulls this off. So I expect a really good match here, maybe a three-setter. Um, and, and so that's the one I'm going to for sure be watching on the women's side. 
Yeah, no, again, there are a lot of really fun matches that Pegula Kavitova is going to be great. Uh, Brady Garcia is going to be really fun as well. Caroline Garcia obviously knocking off number one seeded Carolina Pliskova. Jennifer Brady, champion already here in August in Lexington, dominant over CC Bellis. If Jennifer Brady can win that one, she really does have an inside straight into uh, you know the quarterfinals of this event, which would be the best she's ever done at a slam. But yeah, I mean, you know, Osaka Katsuk. That's two interesting young players, I think, uh, on the women's side, that that's going to be really fun as well. I think Ann Lee, the young American, she knocked off Allie Risk with ease. If she can do it again against Angelique Kerber, you got to start throwing her in the conversation with the Goss, with the Anissa Movas, just based on the resume, a fourth-round one run at a slam. That's something that has to be taken seriously. But it's a really fun day of women's matches from start to finish. Let's switch gears here now. On the men's side, what are you going to be watching more most closely yeah there's a lot to choose from here just like on the women's side i think for me similar to my take on hatchinov and kuznetsov yesterday the one that i want to see specifically for one player's ability to really dominate the other is Zverev and manorino um in my mind if Zverev is going to be a serious contender in this tournament he needs to absolutely blitz adrian manorino in this match um and i'm not saying it needs to be oh and oh and oh but it needs to be a convincing win here because you know, we've seen a lot of things with Alex Verov in majors, right? It's been something that's talked about for him, about him for years now. Um, and a win like this over a guy who's just solid in Adrian Manorino, this needs to be a convincing win for me. Um, so that's that's really what I'm going to be looking for. That's a little bit later in the day. In terms of earlier matches, though, there's so many to pick from. You know, Nori and Davidovich Fokina is interesting. I think you're crazy if you don't watch at least some of Shapovalov and Fritz. Um, but for me, I'm also really curious, and the one I would probably pick as second is David Goffin and Kranovich, um, because I think Kranovich has been playing such a phenomenal level, and Goffin, again, similar to Zverev here, if he wants to be taken seriously as a contender, he needs to, you know, he needs to come through this match in what I would say three or four. Now, it's definitely a possibility that this match goes the distance because Kranovich has been playing so well. But to me, if David Goffin is going to make a true dent in this tournament, he needs to make a statement with this third-round match. Yeah, to the Zverev-Manorino point quickly, I agree with you. Lefty with Zverev's backhand, it's a great matchup. And if Zverev, just no more loose tiebreakers. Give Uh me a straight set performance. Tell the field, hey, I'm winning this thing. I'm coming into the second week hot. Uh, I agree with you there on, you know, Fritz Shapovalov must see TV. Don't think it needs to go any further than that. Completely agree with you on Gofan Krajinovich. The way David Gofan can say, hey, don't forget about me. I can win this event would be to knock off an informed Philip Krajinovich in straight sets. Ditto. Krajinovich knocks off Gofan here. We got to start taking him even more seriously than we do. It continues to amaze me that one of Cam Nori and Alejandro Davidovich Fokina will be making the fourth round of this year's U.S. Open. Nevertheless, that's where we're at. At. But the match that jumps out to me on the day, Jamie, Tsitsipas versus Chorich, and we talked about this a little bit last night when I called you just to run through my GSP aces of the day. We do do a little bit of a production meeting here before we record those. It's That production meeting is me either calling Jamie, Matt, or Rothman and saying, hey, what do you think about this? Uh, but the one that jumped out to me, Tsitsipas is like minus 700 against Borna Chorich, like an overwhelming favorite. And again, if I told you that four years ago, you'd have laughed at me. You'd have been like, who's this Tsitsi what? Like, what is this? Uh, instead, Tsitsipas here, a prohibitive favorite over Chorich. I just, just want to see what Borna Chorich has got. I want to see what he throws into this match. Yeah, for me, this match, you know, obviously very enticing to watch. It's a 
it's pretty close to the camp, actually. That This might be a little disrespectful for what we've seen from Borna George, but it's a little bit in the camp for Tsitsipas, similar to what I said of Zverev, as if he wants to be a contender for this title, which I, I do think he can be given the level we've seen from him, he needs to win this match convincingly. And that's Tsitsipas. Look, he's the four seed in this, so obviously he's going to pose a threat regardless. We've seen what he can do against the big servers. Now, is it's a little bit different, right? This is a change of pace for him. He has to be you know, going up against a guy where he's going to be in ground stroke rallies pretty much the entire match. And it's going to be a quick change of pace for him. And this, for me, is a really big test. Can he impose his game? Can he hit Borna Chorich off a court? Given what we've seen from Chorich lately, it hasn't been his best. So I'm going to say yes, probably. But Chorich is no easy out here. So going to be really interesting here. And I think Borna Chorich, right, going in such an underdog, probably has its advantages mentally, right? He's going and he's going to be loose and feel pretty good. For Sitsipas, though, he's really got he's really got to keep everything bottled up and tight. Um, because if he, I don't know, if he lets this thing extend into five and really physical, who knows what can happen because George can go out there and grind with the best of them. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one. I feel like uh, CC Pass hasn't played an actual tennis player since probably Ultimate Tennis Showdown. And so he's like, oh my God, you don't just serve and volley. You don't just try and win the point in the first three shots. This is delightful. And so I'm just excited to see how CC Pass, you know, handles himself physically what his game plan is coming into this one how his tennis looks and then again yeah how Borna George competes as well that's going to be really fun to watch and again it's going to be really fun day five action if you want to hear our picks for day five you want to get in on the action with our friends at DraftKings go check out the GSP ace of the day Max Rothman joining me once again to run through all of the day's actions offer our picks to try and put a little bit of money in your pocket but of course we will be back here tomorrow to recap day five matches preview day six and if you have missed any of our content any of the days at this u.s open you need to catch up be sure to go to our website crackrackets.com you need the more immediate updates throughout the day twitter instagram facebook youtube we're at cracked rackets you want to message me directly i'm at great shot pod and i always appreciate hearing from you listeners hearing your takes hearing your thoughts on these first week of the u.s open these first two weeks in new york so please Feel free to continue to do that and like, rate, subscribe, review this podcast, The Great Shot Podcast, Cracked Interviews, and Inside Out Podcasts. Shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Flinger and Daniel Westoff, for the f*** of an any job they do day in, day out, making all of this possible. And again, we will be with you all weekend long as well. No days off here at Crack Rackets. We know it's Grand Slam time. These are, you know, two of the eight most important weeks in the tennis calendar. Let's make the most of it. And of course, we want to keep you all up to date in the loop so you can remain the most well-informed, the best educated tennis fans in the business. With that in mind, Jamie, any final thoughts? Let's hope for a Struff upset over Djokovic. It's the only thing I can say. I feel like we haven't talked about that one enough as well either. That's going to be a really fun one. They're all going to be such fun matches and of course the reason we can enjoy them here day in day out on the mini break because of the support we get from our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar go to MidwestSports.com use that promo code CR15 go to Aerobar.com use that promo code Cracked15 but with that being said for my wonderful co-host James Foster McDonald for our super producers Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network I'm your host Alex Gruskin Jamie what do we tell the people that's a break and we will see you all tomorrow thanks everyone